He is risen. Risen indeed. We almost did it good. Your reply is, he is risen indeed. Okay, you ready? Let's do it strongly. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. All the implications of that fact that there is an empty tomb. How exciting is that? We're looking at John chapter 20. If you'd like to find your place there in, in your Bible or on your apps, uh, if you have your Bible app, pull it up. John chapter 20, we're beginning at verse 11 in just a moment. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Empty. I want to talk about empty today. And it's, it's unique. This day is the only day on the planet that people come together in large masses to celebrate empty. We don't celebrate empty very often. I had a chocolate milkshake a couple of weeks ago and that straw went and it was empty. I wasn't happy, right? I'm not happy when my bank account is empty. My wife may call and say, don't do any big purchases, you know, or something like that. And you get paid in two days, just hang on or whatever, you know. And none of us are happy when empty is happening, right? Except when we celebrate what we're celebrating today. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. And then asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had, what he had said, these things to her. I was remembering this past week what the first Easter at this church was like, and there's just a handful of you that were here my first Easter as pastor. That first year was a challenging year for not only for me, but for leadership here. And for a number of reasons, and that is probably understatement of the year. There were some challenges behind the scenes as I stepped in uh, here, and we, we had a chance to kind of restart what was going on here at the Grace Place. It's so awesome to see all of you here today. But I remember that the 
anticipation, the excitement was not tempered in any manner by walking into this building on Easter Sunday. I was recognizing in that moment that what we are celebrating today in this gathering right here, neighbors and friends that you're looking around and can see, people that you know and you're sitting next to, is something that is being shared across the world. All peoples who believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and are celebrating today the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means for us. And so as I stood here in the building prior to anyone else coming in, I remember my heart being full, even though there were challenges ahead of us as we began to break ground on what God had in store for us in terms of this grand vision of reaching where God has placed us here. And the excitement and the enthusiasm about the day was incredible. But this is the only time of the year that we really do celebrate empty. Or you see, no matter what your life looks like at this point, no matter what disappointments or successes you've had or experienced to this point in your life, no matter how much you have or how much you owe, no matter you know what, uh, if you believe or if you doubt some or a little or a lot, no matter if you are where you stand on the political scale, no matter if you are a elephant or a donkey or a libertarian or green or socialist or just a spectator of things going on, Easter was and Easter is for you. And empty matters. Empty matters because there is only one way to God, and Jesus' empty tomb reveals that Jesus is the way to God. Every other religious leader is still in their tomb. I saw a meme this past week that was kind of, you know, remarkable. It showed the gravestones of all of those uh, you know, Buddha and everyone else and all of their tombstones and then the empty tomb of Jesus was there. It's remarkable. We opened the passage by saying, now Mary stood outside of the tomb and she was crying. And I thought as I read those opening words that that is the difference between those who have a relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ and Christianity there is, not that we don't grieve, Paul talked about the grief is different. He, in the New Testament, he said, Christians do grieve, but they grieve as those who have hope. We are partners to eternity. And so though we may grieve when we have loss and we have difficulty and challenges, we grieve differently than those who don't know Jesus Christ. And thinking at this moment as Mary is standing there crying, Asking the big question, the first big question for us this morning is, what are we crying about? What is the, what brings about the weeping? What brings about the sorrow? And, and is it because we are not really crossed the line yet in terms of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ? And we have just kind of been playing around in a manner of speaking with, with religion and with church, and we're not really serious yet. At some point, we think we might be, maybe if we have kids, maybe if, if uh, significant other comes into our lives, or maybe, you know, at some point in our life, we will cross the line and we will get more serious about what is going on in terms of our future with God. And if that's the case, then there is real weeping. There is 
real crime. Experiencing this at the moment, she wept, she bent over, she looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body was and had been, and they asked her, woman, why are you crying? There's absolutely no evidence anywhere in ancient world that anyone disputed that the tomb of Jesus was empty on Sunday morning. Not even those who crucified him came to dispute it. And they were the ones who had the most to gain by simply hauling out the body of Jesus and pointing to it and confirming his identity and forever putting Christianity in the grave as well. But they didn't do it because they didn't have a body. Empty matters to us. Mary was briefly confused when she came to the tomb, stone rolled away, looking inside and seeing what she saw, and, and she was confused, and, and she began to weep, and, and was asked the question by the angels there, and she answers, they have taken my Lord away. She didn't know who they were, but somebody. I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. And she asked, and he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? And here is the second question for us this morning. And we've been asking it all this month as we've been in the Jesus series. Who is it that you're looking for? Who is it that you are really looking for? It's the operative question of our lifetime. Who is it that we are really looking for? Are we looking for Jesus the gardener? Are we looking for Jesus the financial miracle? Are we looking for Jesus who fixes broken dreams? Are we looking for Jesus the matchmaker? Are we looking for Jesus the good teacher? Are we looking for Jesus the one who never challenges our choices? He's so pleased with our decisions. Are we looking for the Jesus who was a good prophet, a teacher, a historical figure, but really had no impact on the world ahead of us? Scripture we read a moment ago says she's thinking he was the gardener. And she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him. I want to go get him. What do you think about the courage of this woman, you know, and this gathering of women? that there was more than just the one. We're going to see in just a moment. But her courage, tell me where you put his body, I'm going to go get it. Oh, really? You're going to get the body of Jesus, and you're going to carry it out and take care of it. But her vision was, as many of ours for the moment, he was the gardener. He was somebody who was there. She didn't recognize that it was Jesus. How many times has he come knocking on our door? Has he come visiting us with various kinds of circumstances in life, and we have not recognized him. It's not unusual. In Scripture, we're told that Jesus had said, you rejected me when I was hungry. You rejected me when I was thirsty. You rejected me when I had need for clothing and food. And they came back with a question. They said, I don't remember that. I don't remember when I rejected you when you were hungry. <coughs> I don't remember when I rejected you when you were thirsty. I don't remember when I rejected you when you were in need of clothes or whatever. I, I'm, I'm a good person. I do good things. And he said, when these that I placed in your pathway 
stood there asking for food or asking for water or asking for clothing. You rejected them. You did not see me. You weren't looking for me. You didn't recognize that I was standing among you. Here's our problem today with who we may be looking for when we're looking for something other than who Jesus actually is. And that is that Jesus is not in the tomb, it's empty, and there's a big now what? Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned toward him and he cried out in Aramaic, she cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. The tomb is empty and that always demands a response from humanity. Every person on the planet has to answer to the empty tomb. And if you don't answer, you're answering. If you refuse to, to, to decide, you're deciding. There is an empty tomb and it cries out for us to reckon with it and decide who Jesus is. We search for missing things whenever we've lost them or misplaced them. We're looking for our keys. We're looking for um, things that we have lost in life and we, we, we don't know where we put them. Where did I put the iPad? Where did I put the remote? But it's weird when missing things come looking for us. <laughs> Mary came looking, you know, for the, the missing, but the missing was looking for her. And that's the twist of Easter is, is that you think you might be on some kind of spiritual journey not recognizing that there is one who's pursuing you and is hot on your trail and he's after you. The one who is missing in your life is looking for you. What will you do with Jesus? Jesus too was found empty three days after the crucifixion by a group of women followers. And Luke identifies them in Luke chapter 24, verse 10. It reads, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. In Jesus' time, women were held, they held very little power or authority. In fact, except for in rare cases, Jewish law precluded women from giving testimony in the court of law. And so as we look at the resurrection accounts, if someone was going to manufacture a resurrection account, if, if disciples, if scribes, if people who were writing about the story of Jesus were going to make up a story that Jesus had, had been taken out of the tomb that, or he was resurrected and, and uh, he's, he's no longer dead, the least likely person that you're going to choose to be an eyewitness to that account is a woman in that time period. You're going to choose a group of men, probably a group of men who are leaders and, and, and uh, are, are, are important people, people who people would recognize and, and think good of and think they probably told the truth and, and people were in good standing in the community, but you would probably not pick women in this day to be eyewitness testimonies. Common sense tells us that the reason that Scripture tells us about the women is because it's telling us the truth. They went there. They saw it. And the women preached the first message. And I love that as a dad. I believe in girl power. Men, you know, I, I love the, the opportunity to preach and minister. And it in no way hinders, you know, me or makes me feel less than 
the women preached first and preached powerfully and said exactly what we're saying today. He is not dead. He is risen. He's alive. They were the first to preach the gospel message, the fulfillment of everything. If Jesus had just stayed dead in the tomb, then the ramifications uh, would not be what they are for us today. We would be thinking about the death of Christianity at some point and, and looking back on a good teacher or a good prophet. But the fact that he came from the dead, he was resurrected, is, is God to carry us through life and into eternity. These women were brave, but the Bible tells us that their male counterparts were not so brave. I'm not picking on you guys. <laughs> Most of them scurried to hide, and I'm not sure if I was in their place, you know, and witnessed the things they were witnessing in that day. The cruelty of what happened to Jesus that I wouldn't probably be hiding somewhere. They scurried to hide their faces in the darkest hours, and yet Jewish leaders credited these men who were running away, right? Roman uh, history uh, records that they were, these, these guys who were scared must have gone and taken Jesus' body. They were so frightened, you know, so afraid, but they had the courage to go back to the tomb, roll the stone away, and take the body of Jesus. Everything that we read about this account, everything that we study, we recognize that surely this tomb was empty. The woman preaches the first gospel message. In the Gospel of Mark, we're reminded of the woman's backstory. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, this is Mark chapter 16, verse 9, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him. And they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they didn't believe it. They had to go themselves and see it. John records the first words of the Easter message. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. <laughs> That's a powerful message. That one will preach. But everybody who is a Christian who is walking in fullness of their faith can make that same statement. I have seen the Lord. He met me. I was six years old when God met me and I received him as my personal savior. I had an encounter with him. I won't say I had a physical vision of seeing Jesus and, and that he was there. I have been around people who say that they have seen a vision of Jesus. I, was, I remember as a young pastor, I was probably in mid-30s, and there was an elderly lady who uh, had been ill, and she had not been able to come to services, so I made a point to go every week to her uh, home and to visit with her and to share some of the things we were talking about in church. She's a very faithful member for many, many years. She was well into her late days, and we would have these conversations, and she had told me on one occasion, she said, you know, I don't know why God just won't take me home. Everybody I know, everybody I love is gone, and I'm happy to be here as long as God wants me, but I, I don't see a purpose. I don't know necessarily why I'm here. And I said, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's ask God that he will give you the strength and the courage to live uh, until he calls you home and that he will reveal what your purpose is now. Maybe a month or so later after the visits, I came in and, and she was beaming and she was welcoming me at the front door when I came up and she said, Pastor, 
have a seat. And I sat down. She said, I saw Jesus this morning. I was reading in my Bible and praying. And, and she said, I lifted up my head and I saw Jesus standing in front of me. And he said, there are three things that I want you to do. And, and she mentioned them off to me, each of those things. And over the, over the next year and a half, those three things she did. She was able to accomplish those three things. And then fast forward to weeks after she finished the third thing, we're at the hospice. And just just precious in the sight of the Lord, the death of his saints. I mean, this was, this was if there are any beautiful deaths, this was it. Worshiping Jesus were the last words on her lips as she left this planet and went to be with him. But she said, I'm a pastor, I saw Jesus, and he told me there are three things that he wants me to accomplish. I'm wondering this morning, who is it that you are looking for? If you're here today and you're running on empty, you're empty of energy, you're empty of mourning and sadness, you're empty of love, you're empty of purpose or relationship, you're empty of hope, Empty of peace, empty of power, empty of trust, empty of trying. I want to take you to an empty tomb. I'm invite our worship team to come back. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to come and meet Jesus and have a life-changing experience by surrendering your life to him and making him the Lord and the leader of your life. When they gathered around they finally realized that Jesus' tomb was empty, his disciples and those who loved him and were following him closely. They, didn't, they realized that they had not been looking for Jesus the rescuer, Jesus the broken promise picture, Jesus the one who agrees with me. But they were finding the Jesus who forgives sins. The Jesus who fills the empty with love, the Jesus who can be trusted. The Jesus who delivers from addiction, the Jesus who restores hope to the hopeless, the Jesus who is the Prince of Peace, the Jesus who wipes away tears of mourning and puts eternity in our hearts. They were looking into the face of the Jesus who conquered death. When that happens, you can say with Mary, I have seen the Lord. I've seen him. The Jesus who conquers death, who can take me through life. This season, as we, I was personally contemplating all that this means for us, I was reminded of how important it is for us not only to think about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Because if that was the focus, then Jesus could have just come at age 33 or whatever he might have been, sacrificed himself, died and resurrected, and then there we are. Why did he have to come and live the life? I told the story on Good Friday of my son and I, he was about three or four years old, and we were out in the desert, and I wanted him to climb up this mountain with me and just kind of be able to look out over the desert. It's a beautiful time, sunset. I wanted him to see the beauty of the desert. And so I had this little hand, we're walking up the mountain, and it became apparent fairly quickly we were walking on some lava rock. Anybody ever walked on any of that? And it just doesn't hold. It's not good footing. And it's he was slipping and falling, and I was doing more carrying than him walking. And so finally I realized he can't do it. He 
can't do it. And so I picked him up and I carried him up to the top of the mountain and I set him down on that mountain peak and we looked together out over the majesty of what God had created. Jesus' life, when he came and he was born as a, as a baby, he lived a sinless life because the Father said they can't do it, son. There's never going to be a little bit of there's always going to be an element of sin. There's never going to be an extinguishment. There's no perfect lives out there, son. You're going to have to carry them all the way. You're going to have to carry all their sin. You're going to have to fulfill the law. You're going to have to do what they can't do. Jesus' sinless life is the justification, the righteousness that allows us, his holiness, to go into the presence of God. Without that, with only Jesus' death, his, his burial, his resurrection, all we have is innocence. And we're hanging in limbo. We're not worthy of hell because we're innocent, but we're certainly not worthy of being in the presence of God. It's the sinless life that Jesus lived that justifies us to walk into the kingdom and to stand in the presence of Almighty God. Just as if I never sinned. Because Jesus never sinned. He was the perfect sacrifice. The perfect lamb without a blemish. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want us to take a moment to invite Jesus to be the Lord and the leader of our life. Maybe you have never done this before, or maybe it's time to renew that commitment because things have gone a little cold and you're not keeping your part of the bargain. God is his, but you're not really living Jesus. And you've seen him often as the, the miracle worker, the, the guy we just go to for 911 when we need something, you know, but today you want to make him the Lord and the leader of your life. I want you to ask you to pray with me and repeat this prayer. We're going to ask Jesus to be the Lord and the leader of our lives. And if you do this for the first time, or if you're making a recommitment, I want you to meet Jamie over at this table, the Next Steps table. We want to equip you, help you in your walk. Just pray with you that God is going to strengthen you. But if you need a Bible, if you need a tool that will help you in your spiritual growth, we want to get that to you. Let you know about classes that might be available that you can come and learn and grow in Him. Let's pray this prayer together, okay? Lord Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I believe you lived a sinless life. And Father, I ask you to be Lord and leader of my life. In Jesus' name.